0: Welcome to Razzle Frat. We're back to books, coffee, pop culture, and more. I'm Allie. I'm Ashton. So we're coming to you uh, digitally right now. Well, I mean, I guess we'd always be coming digitally with the podcast, but um, (laughs) we're doing our very first uh, Zoom call because Ashton is not feeling too great, and uh, my life is in shambles, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's the first time that we've ever not plotted in the same room it's weird it is it is a little weird um we shall see how this goes I don't want to make a habit of it no. but I like I like an excuse to hang out with you but <laughs> it did work for this time around because um I feel like yeah October was just a really rough week week month for us it's been a rough week yeah. for me in general
1: but <laughs> yeah same and I feel like October was rough too and most of October, Mercury wasn't even in retrograde, so I can't even blame that anymore. That was, was my really, excuse for everything.
0: Yeah, I was really upset by that when I found out that it wasn't in retrograde. I was fully prepared to blame it on the universe. I feel like there's something else, like Jupiter, and we just don't yeah. know that much about it. Like we're just familiar with Mercury and stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, Some planet somewhere is always fucking us over. Yeah, basically. That's what I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah. But uh, Uh, so what's new with you? What's the news? uh, So I mentioned last month that I was moving um, October 1st. So I did officially, I'm sitting in my couch in my house, in the couch. I'm the comfy couch girl now um, because I'm going to have to die in this couch uh, because the story behind it is that it's my mother's, It's my mother's purple couch that used to be in like the entrance way of our house growing up. I love these couches. I used to read on them all the time. There's nothing, they're not fancy and they fall apart, but um, it's just something about it that I just like always loved having the purple couches. Uh, they're like probably, if not my age, around there. So they're up there in uh, couch years. Um, <laughs> but I was determined. I measured everything. There's a, second, there's a second love seat that goes with this. And I live in a duplex now. So I was like, oh my God. We have a room that we can put a couch in. And then um, downstairs, we were going to put the second love seat for a little sitting area um, in our bedroom. And uh, so I did all the measurements. And um, fun fact about this couch is that it doesn't sit upright. It leans back a little. So like the back end of it goes backwards. So because of that, there's about a half an inch extra that it doesn't measure, So it did not fit through the doorway of the building (laughs) at all, Um, which we learned the day we tried to move it in. So did you have to, like, take the door off, off its hinges? At my mother's house, we did. In Brooklyn, that was not an option. So... Uh, the movers that I hired to get it in because I didn't want to have to deal with taking the doors off the hinges. I didn't want to have to deal with moving it. I hired movers for two hours to come in and put the couch in the apartment because at that point, I like it was such a hassle. We literally drove with it bungeed to the back of Jimmy's van, work van. <laughs> <because> <laughs> the doors wouldn't close because he also told me the wrong measurements for his van. So Timothy. Yeah. So we basically had to bungee it, park it overnight in a garage because I didn't want to leave it on the street bungeed because his work van. All of his tools are in there. Um, yeah, that thing then, would have been gone by morning. <laughs> right? He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. So um, they couldn't get it through the door. So they're like, call the sofa doctor. And we're like, <laughs> so, <laughs> who are you gonna call so <laughs> so but fun fact we called the couch doctors on a Sunday morning they were there within like an hour or so within two hours they got this couch in here they took it apart into three pieces they took the legs off which are bolted, by the way, into the... It's not an unscrewing... Like, there's nothing I could have done. They took the whole back off of it. Like, it was like... It came in in pieces. And then they reassembled it in the room. I was like... That's, that's really impressive. I know. But long story short, I now have to die in this couch because...
1: Oh, yeah. You can't get rid of that Like Like,
0: the, the energy it took to get it here. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So... I have a couch. I haven't fun fact, haven't had a couch since I've lived with my mother when I was like 21, 22 And like even in college, Great. the couch that we had in college, the first apartment that I lived in, we just bought it from the dudes that like lived there previously. So like we just bought it off the people that were moving out. And then the second apartment, it was my friend's mother's couch. So she had all those done. So like I've never had a couch and now you too i know but it takes up like 90 but i don't care that's okay because your apartment is more than one room now i know i've already taken a nap on it it's great oh, amazing so i like um,
1: my couch it's really pretty like velvet blue like tufted but it's not very comfortable for like a nap it's more just like aesthetic yeah. i know i've slept at your house Yeah, it's not it's not great. And I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. That couch sucks to
0: sleep on. This couch is great. We just need like a pillow for like heads. But we'll get there. Um but yeah, what's new with you?
1: Not a whole lot. I went home last no, this earlier this month, Jesus, I don't know what day it is. Um to for my baby sister's wedding. So that was fun and kind of surreal to watch her get married. Um so, I did that. Um, I've got a performance review in a week and a half to like officially put through my promotion. Um, so I know I'm really excited um and nervous, but mostly excited. I feel like it's like kind of just a formality because they've already told me like that this is going through. Um, so that'll help. but so do that and then, this weekend is Halloween. Well, actually this Monday sometimes like the weekend before. And Megan, my roommate and I are going to hike upstate in cold spring. So I'm really excited. And apparently there's like a really cute, like downtown like area. So we'll go see if we can see some cute coffee shops or grab a Grab dinner or something but I'm really excited um and I know you've been wanting to get into hiking too so we'll have to go on a hike together sometime
0: yeah yeah because we went when we went to Seattle we went to a couple hiking trails and we went up like halfway but um love of my life brought vans so we couldn't hike <laughs> you know and like I'm like
1: I'm not gonna die out here so I uh, know when I went to Seattle and hiked with my sister they were like she and her roommate that took me on a hike they taught me this little rhyme on how to deal with bears if you see bears in the wild up there and it was like if it's black fight back if it's brown turn around and if it's white good night (laughs) like a polar bear like polar bears which you wouldn't see in Seattle but that's like I was like, oh, ha, ha that's funny. They were like, it's not a joke. I was like, what? Come again? <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> like, bears are the most lethal
0: ones, apparently.
1: Well, and also, like, I thought they were just joking about us seeing bears. We didn't see bears, thank God. But, like, they are up there. And it would scare the shit out of me if I saw a bear in real life.
0: Yeah, I remember um, my nonna, when she retired, well, when my grandfather and her retired, they went to the Poconos, and they had um, a house there. And there'd be bears just chilling in the backyard going through their um bird seed like just normal oh, no. and I'm like eh,
1: absolutely not I don't do well with nature like mm. I do okay with nature it's like the bugs and critters that I don't do well with yeah the so that <laughs> part. like
0: I let me let me rephrase it I don't do well with aggressive nature I do yeah. well with passive nature so like trees plants you know yeah water trickling down a stream that kind of stuff i'm cool with we're good we're copacetic but like the minute it's active around me and it's like trying to converse with me via like swarming or something i'm like no 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 not not my vibe
1: i just have to say the use of the word copacetic first of all. <laughs> second of all, it's the second time I've heard it in conversation today, and it's not a common word. Really? My my boss said it on a Zoom meeting earlier. Isn't that weird? Like, don't you think it's not a
0: common word? No, yeah, I guess I never really, I never really think about it. I don't know, maybe because I'm reading more. I don't, yeah. I have I don't such, know. I have a longer commute with work now, so like, oh, I'm on right. the chain Yeah. Longer. So yeah, you know that song about like my baby takes the morning yeah, train. That's, what, you. That's you. Yeah, that is me. <laughs> um taking the morning train a little. If I'm good, I'll go before eight. I'll catch it before eight. And then uh I usually go into Queens and transfer at Queens and pop on over to 53rd. But um lately it's been hard to get up. Um, especially this week I was very tired from the wedding it was a three-hour yeah. drive to and from Cape May and Saturday I think I started I don't know like we had to catch a jitney at 7 30 which is normally fine like I get up at six to exercise but uh, when the people around my hotel room are partying because they're mostly groomsmen and don't have to get up at the ass crack on to look like a beautiful princess. Um, I don't sleep as well. So, uh, and I was nervous, you know, my anxiety was peaking from um, two things that were my main jobs, which was attaching the bustle, which is is more important than you think because like it helps her move, like she she can move around with it while she's tripping on her skirts the whole night. Um, and the speech, I was very nervous. I'm not a good public speaker and I don't like crowds and attention on me i'm not very good with that kind of stuff so that was nerve-wracking um so the whole day i was kind of like eh. but uh it was a lot of like i um, getting i got my hair done first because apparently my hairstyle was the most complicated one of the bunch um which is just funny because it's like i just asked them to do a french twist which is literally just pinning hair it all it is is just pinning hair to one side and then wrapping it around to the other it's not really like you don't have to braid it you don't have to like thread it through different things like i saw girls with like like basically celtic knots in the back of their head so i was just i was very confused on why it was considered problematic but whatever it got done it looked great um and then because i had to do my makeup next they didn't do my bangs until the very end which turned out fine because i we dry them the, the morning before. Especially. i like kind of basically set my hair before they did it but um we didn't eat until like 10 30 because we were popping champagne and we were looking around and we're like wait we haven't eaten breakfast like where's the breakfast, yeah, the breakfast you should do to, that well it was supposed to come at like 8 8 30 and it never arrived so we were like what's going on Um, and then lunch came, but we, every time we literally, every single time we sat down to eat it, we kept getting called back outside to do the pictures. And so we're like, fucking (laughs) hell. Like, we need to eat. Um, but that was fine. And then we did the walk. Um, there was a slight problem right before the ceremony with the bride. Uh, some things came early that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. And, uh um it was like everybody was like like circling her and like she's starting to cry and I was like okay project mode so I like tracked down the um the wedding plan, I was like, take this room key, go to the room. You have access now. Go get her clean, whatever, and like get her yeah. what she needs, bring it back here. So the minute she gets uh, uh, off that altar, she can change and feel better, and blah blah blah. And she knows that there's a plan in place. So, like, she was like, Okay, <laughs> meanwhile, I was like, There, there, little child. I'm like, No, we're gonna get this shit done. Like, oh my gosh. I know, but nightmare. Yeah, it was fine, and there was only like one fight, I think. Um oh, that's- it was later in the night. It was like at an, at the after party, which I stayed for like 20 minutes. And then I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Cause like, Don't I was you. stuck with like, um, God, what are they called? Like the couples that are all married. It just felt like high school clicks. Yeah. And I was like, I'm very tired of having to infiltrate the clique. you know, and they're not, not welcoming. It was just like a day of it. I was like, okay, yeah. my energy is spent and I still feel out of place and you guys are not really doing a great job of like inviting me in. So I was kind of like to Jimmy, I was like, look, we're going to bed. I'm fucking done. (laughs) So I'm done with this. But anyways, um, I've talked a lot, but what are, what are you reading this week before we get into the book talk this week?
1: Um, I'm actually in a reading slump. I don't think I've finished a book start to finish except the one we're talking about today since the last time we potted, which really? is unlike me. Yeah. So I've been reading, I've had like a bunch of projects starting at work. Um, So every time I start a project, I have to, so I've read like four or five books, but they haven't been for pleasure. They've been for work. Mm-hmm. Um, So I've been reading, but I feel like then when I read like an entire manuscript, like I just want to give my eyes a rest. And so I'm either like watching TV or I've been knitting a lot. Yeah. Like knitting and watching TV to unwind because I feel like my eyes have been too stressed for reading. Um, but I want to reread like either the secret history or if we were villains before fall is over, you know, I'm a rereader and I want to read something like fun and lighthearted, maybe like pull me out of my slump so I can start reading a little bit more. Yeah. Um, for fun because I don't want that to become the norm that like work reading takes over I think it just happened to fall that way because I started like four projects in October
0: Yeah, that's true and that's like one of the things I teach like me and my master's program they're like um once you start reading for work you don't really read for fun anymore it becomes like more of a job or something like that so um
1: yeah. I mean I, I definitely yeah go ahead I was just gonna and I definitely don't want that to be the case i think i just need to be better about when i was in college i had a similar experience as an english major because i was always reading for school and then what i started doing was just forcing myself to carve out 30 minutes every day before like in the morning and i would do my fun reading then and then that way i wasn't too tired at the end of the day to do my fun reading and it was like fine if i was tired when i did my school reading so i probably just need to get in that habit again
0: yeah no uh that sounds like a good plan also you probably with all the running around and I know you've said you've been busy with work um when you usually go on your walks you listen to your audiobooks
1: yes that's true yeah and um I'm also in audiobooks so I'm like I don't know like I've tried and put down a bunch of different audiobooks too like I don't know just like mm-hmm. happen. I don't know I feel like that happens to everyone and that's happening to me and uh, I don't know I'm just not beating myself up about it but what are what are you reading right now?
0: Um, so right now I'm in the middle of actually a really cool, it's my October read for my other book club with the bride or the wife now. I don't know. Um, it's called, uh, I had to write it down because it's a long title. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. It's by Grady Hendrix. Um, and it's from 2020. And it's actually pretty good. I wasn't expecting it to be good because like, I love Sam, but she picks kind of like eh, books sometimes like it, it can be hit or miss when she picks it. Yeah. She kind of really she's a sucker for like what's popular or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she she reads like Colleen Hoover and, and you know,
1: all of that. Yeah. She reads. Oh, my popular. gosh. Megan told me that the new Colleen Hoover book sold 800000 copies on day one. I know it's uh, because they're of, that's
0: an imprint with us oh right like yeah yeah. it broke a record it um insane it broke what record did it break oh god it was um it like it actually broke the record like of whatever book was previous to it um that was holding that uh thing they were talking about at work because it's grand central publishing uh is like the the power this
1: woman has
0: (laughs) yeah because um sometimes we we publish her books and then Mm -hmm. grand central publishes like the other half um, but yeah, it like all the pre-orders. Um, so anyways, we're gonna, uh, let me see what we're doing. So, um, I just totally lost my train of thought. Yeah. But anyways, um, this one basically is about, uh, 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And it's about mm-hmm. like housewives that are in a book club and they end up go like <laughs> breaking off from the normal book club and starting one where they read um kind of like cheap horror and they rotate it with um true crime so they'll read like about Ted Bundy and then they'll read like i think one of them was like Bridges of Madison County and then they'll and, you know and it's set in i want to say North Carolina and it's at a very like it's called Mount Pleasant or something it's a very like you know suburban housewife gated community and um the main character she struggles with like being the perfect housewife and like her kids and all this stuff and it the way the horror in it happens is so subtle and integrated into their normal lives that like you don't realize that oh my god there's horror happening so it's like it starts with She goes to take out the garbage cans because, like, the sun doesn't do it. And um, she goes around the bend because she hears something and she thinks it's a raccoon. No, it's her neighbor, who's an old woman, tearing into a dead animal, like, eating it. And then attacks her and starts trying to eat her. And it's like, oh, my God, she was deranged. She was senile, blah, blah, blah. And then it just like builds from there. I mean, the title says "Slaying Vampires." So like you kind of know where it's going, but like I mean, there's different scenes. there's like a little bit of gore, but there's a lot of eeriness. Like, mm-hmm. like the kids think there's a guy on the roof and like she has to run around and like close all the windows and it's crazy. And then there's like a scene where like just rats start coming into the ho- the house and like covering body. It's creepy. But it's like paired with this woman who's like washing her mother's china and like telling the woman like telling the main character, oh, you're just you're just like, you know, making it up like you're the one that said that nothing ever bad happens in this town and like this book club makes you wish something exciting happened. And then she's like, go vacuum your curtains. That'll make you feel better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've actually I started this book and then I stopped it. So Very I'll be slow. interested to hear I'll be interested to hear what you think. Yeah. Um when you make it through. And like maybe you can tell me that it's worth picking it up and finishing it again. But yeah, I think I got like 60% of the way through. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to
0: hear. But I'm
1: okay.
0: also like a snob. So. Yeah, I mean same. I mean it's not like blown out of the way. Blown, you know. My mind is crazy. Like, um, one of the craziest horror books that I've ever read that I loved was um Paul Tremblay's, uh, book. I can't. The name is escaping me right now. But it's like head. Oh, head full of ghosts. That mm-hmm. one was really good. Or like I liked Mexican Gothic. Like. I don't read a lot of horror like I'm not a Stephen King psycho like you but um or he's more thriller I guess I don't know but um you know but that's what I'm reading right now and then I did uh I did finish A Court of Rose and Thorns or Thorns and Roses ACOTAR right I always say it wrong because I know by the acronym thought it was good um I heard that like the the spiciness doesn't happen until the second book which I have on hold at the library but it's like 30 people ahead of me so I'm not in a rush. <laughs> I, I I just showed you earlier um my bookshelves which took me more than one try to organize it cuz I combined Jimmy's which love lovely person that he is told me as I'm organizing and I finished all of it the other night goes I think some of mine are still downstairs. <laughs> I was like I was like, "Well, they're going to stay down there." <laughs> mm, that <laughs> sounds like, like a personal problem. I was problem. like, "They're going to go on the bookshelves that are downstairs with your comics." Cuz I was like, ah, "Ah, I was like it's already stuffed to the brim. I have it organized in like a vibe type thing, like a mood reading type thing." I um, think it's like Psychotic that I don't organize
1: my books at all. There's no rhyme or reason to my shelves whatsoever. I don't think it's psychotic.
0: I think it's brave. You think it's brave? I think it's brave because, it's brave. Um, to be honest, like it it it's brave in that you're willing the possibility of yourself becoming anxious and stressed when finding something to read. Nice. (laughs) You're you're inviting chaos into your into your mind. And that is bravery. (laughs) You're going blindly into the TBR. (laughs) TBR Yes, okay.
1: Here's the thing is like my shelves aren't organized. Like my shelves, you've been in my house, like in my living room and my entryway aren't organized. But I have a my immediate TBR right next to my bed my like within the next few months tbr at my desk and then I have some of my favorite all-time books on my dresser so there's systems there but then like in terms of long-term storage it's just whatever
0: oh yeah well that's I mean you remember my old place I had like stacks of tbr and stacks of what I read but there was no organization yeah um so that I if there's a system in place then it's not as crazy but still yeah it's not pure chaos no I mean like when I was organizing this I started originally I did a color coding but I hated it I was like I was like it yeah. looks aesthetically pleasing I was like but I don't like the way the books <laughs> I was like I don't like this person with this but like I was very yeah I was like I, I needed it to
1: yeah it's too matchy matchy for me
0: yeah, and like, oh, don't get me started on the people that turn the spines inward. Oh, yeah, that's weird. And like, yeah, that I think is psychotic. I'd be worried about someone who does that. I'm like, as someone who works in the art department now, like, they put a lot of effort into designing yeah, your books. That's, like, the, that's the prettiest part. I, honestly, yeah. And it's like, for you to just blatantly put it behind it. So just like you have like stacks of paper what do you think you are like a legal office like that's boring as shit but not a fan I don't know all right so do you want to get into the book we read this month we've been chatting a lot um sorry I just missed you I had to to converse a little longer
1: I know that's okay yeah um absolutely so do you I can read the copy if you want to get you
0: got it okay I got it I, I prepared this time. Last time I was not prepared. So I'm just going to read the back of the book. So we read On Duty by ZD Smith. And um, the copy goes like this. Just outside of Boston, in the small college town of Wellington, there's a family that is anything but typical. Liberated by education, complicated by race, and hobbled by self-delusion, they're about to stray onto the battleground that divides personal belief from political conviction. On Beauty is Zadie Smith's brilliant, hilarious send-up of the culture wars that define our age. It's a very ambiguous description of this book. I feel like it's a little misleading.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's very vague. (laughs) Like, I don't yeah. know why they made it so vague. Um,
0: yeah. But so we, yeah, we, we picked this book uh, because we wanted like a campus type novel uh, mm-hmm. for October. And um, Ashton, I don't know if you want to go into your first point that kind of touches on what we picked and why we picked this and, and your reaction.
1: Yeah, I yeah. So like you said, we wanted a kind of like an dark this is I wouldn't say this is like dark academia but it's definitely like academia like fall like there's lots of like imagery of, of fall and like rainy London and stuff like that um that made it feel like a fall read and I really enjoy it and what I liked about it is that it's a campus novel yes but it's unlike any other campus novel I've read and that it's not focused solely on the like teenagers young adults whatever that are coming of age it's about their parents and their teachers and I think that that's really interesting and I've not read a book like that before and these characters these like older characters are also going through like times of change and like you know, starting over and, and, um, kind of coming of age, like coming of middle age. I don't know if that's a thing, not really, but like, it's like an interesting contrast to draw, I think. And she's just such a beautiful writer. So I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned before you've only read like excerpts or short stories of Zadie Smith, right? You've never read her other work. I've read excerpts of white teeth
1: and one or two short stories by her. Yeah, but I've never... This is my first Zadie novel, full novel. But I do want to go back and read White Teeth because I did like what I read. Yeah.
0: Um, I was first exposed to her when I was studying in London and my literary, my lit class. Um, We read NW. And this is very much her style is that she gives you perspectives of multiple characters, sometimes not even the main characters. Like, I think in this one, we get, like... The husband, Howard's friend, Erksine. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, We get his perspective on it, you know. But um, I agree with you in that. It's not like um, a typical on-campus setting. Uh, It it is very, I want to say say like pseudo-intelligent intimidation in there in that like they love to use large language and and sweeping metaphors and and talking almost abstractly but i think what zadie is doing um i can call her that because she's my biffle um <laughs> is that she's almost satirizing the that world the academic yeah. world of how, much of a bubble those people live in and how they they pride themselves on being the smartest person in the room and the one that can give the most intelligent response or the, or the thought-provoking conversations and it's like uh it's like especially with that scene where they're at this cult place called the bus stop and um it's like an open mic night and there's a, a poetry class in which one of the characters zora who is who's a sophomore she's going with the group and they're just impressing themselves on their banter and their wit and their ability to mock other things and be otherworldly in in their conversations and and um and it kind of like she hits the nail on the head of like those college students that think they're so um, grown up and uh, they have all these big ideas and they're learning these concepts and uh, they just think they're bigger than life. And it's like, it, no, you're just it's like, um, what is it? When a kid learns like this, a new word. Mm -hmm. and they just start using it all the time even though in context it doesn't always make sense yeah and it's it it, and it's that kind of thing um but the yeah yeah
1: go ahead go ahead I was just gonna say yeah it's you're so it's like um the feud between Monty and Howard over Rembrandt um and then like meanwhile like Levi and his activism and everything he's getting into, like, the things that really matter about, like, racial tension in America and Haiti, like, that is what really matters, but, like, they're going to, like, actual war over, like, interpretations yeah. of Rembrandt, and um, yeah. I think, like, Zadie, Zadie, now she's my Bissell, um, is does a really great job of, like, highlighting like, the, like, hilarity of that um, and kind of calling them out on it Um, I thought it was really interesting. Like, there are bigger issues. Like, we have bigger fish to fry, dude.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just to, like, give the readers or listeners a little backstory. So there's two families, um, the ones that are living and set in the U.S. And I think this is during 2003 in Boston, Wellington area. Um, So Massachusetts. And Howard is the patriarch. He is uh, a white male from he's uh immigrated from uh not london but from england mm-hmm. i think the countryside maybe um and he's married to kiki who is a black woman from florida and uh she's she's a nurse and howard is a professor uh they have three children jerome zora and Le- levi or levi <laughs> I, 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 was, I guess I could be either. I was saying Levi. like I know. I was saying Levy. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Jerome is the eldest. He's a way of brown. It actually opens up with with some tra- drama with Jerome. Um, and that links us to the secondary family, which is the Kips, K-I-P-P-S. K-I-P-P. So there's the Belzies and then the Kips. So the Kips um, is Monty Kip. And I believe the Kips is an entirely Black uh, british family mm-hmm. Monty kipps is married to carleen kipps um and then you meet michael who's the eldest briefly but he's kind of really not in the picture he's like um an accountant or he's something boring he's a super Yeah, and then yeah, he's, a, um, he's a finance bro <laughs> yeah he's he's not even a finance bro he's an accountant there's a difference <laughs> um and then and then there's uh the youngest victoria or v who's 18 um and it opens with jerome who is studying abroad for a summer and apparently ends up staying with the kips who were in a monty was in a feud with howard because of the argument over rembrandt the painter whereas howard thinks that his genius is is um you know lacking and that it's like everybody you know Admires Brandt all these years, but he's just a phony. And Monty's like a very traditional type of person, and it bleeds into the book in the way of politics. And later on, um, it touches on like the political stance on affirmative action, which was very big in early two thousands in colleges. Um, and then uh, the whole thing is that Jerome Fallen was uh, very virginal and religious, which his liberated family was not and mocked him for, um, he finds this Christianity um, sanctuary almost with the Kips and falls madly in love with V uh, to the point where he's engaged. I don't know. Briefly. <laughs> um, yeah, briefly engaged to the point where by the time Howard takes the plane over there to figure it all out, they're not engaged anymore. So... Flash forward, the rest of the book takes place in Wellington. I'm um, in a very small, close knit community centered around this campus. Monty has been brought over with his family, uh, excluding Michael, to teach a course about taking the liberal out of liberal arts at a liberal arts college. Seems dumb as shit to me, but what do yeah. I know? I don't know. I'm not academic enough, I guess. Um, and then Howard teaches a class that is so obscure that a million people apparently sign up first day and then like 90% of them drop it. So, um, that's like the backstory with the two families. And then I don't know if you want to kind of explain a little bit what's going on within the Belzy household.
1: Yeah, I, so, so we've got Howard, um, and Kiki who are married and at first you don't really know that anything is wrong and then it comes to light that howard has um, had an affair or has like been like um, unfaithful you don't really know right away that it's an affair um and it's kind of what he told kiki was like it was like a one-night stand um, when he was away at a conference i think but then later when it was at that their anniversary party, or yeah, yeah. Like so their thirtieth anniversary. Their thirtieth anniversary. Okay, that's right. Like their thirtieth anniversary party, and it comes out that it wasn't just a one night stand. It was a like full blown weeks long affair, and it was with a like longtime friend and colleague that Kiki like really can't stand, and that she sees all the time. Yeah. So like they had both been deceiving her for a long time. Um. And so, like, right. that's the end of that. Um, well, not entirely the end of, That's the beginning of the end of that um, yeah. inside the household. And yeah, Nora goes to Wellington where Zora. her dad teaches. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Zora. Did I say Nora? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think she's Zora. Named Zora
1: Neil Hurston. Neil Hurston. Yeah, yeah, she totally is. I don't know where I got Nora. Zora goes to Wellington where Howard teaches. And um, Levi's still in high school, and he's kind of like the—he's not like the black sheep necessarily, but he's like, you know, like the salmon going upstream from the rest of the family. Yeah. And um, oh my god, Jerome—the the, firstborn, Jerome. Thank you. Um, Jerome goes to Brown. Um, so there's there's loss going on in, in this household um, all the time, and then I think when they have a friend that they meet at a concert named Carl, like he comes into the picture and like complicates things even further with both of the families. Um, So I don't, do you want to talk a little bit about your point about Howard and
0: infidelity now that we have that background? Yeah. Um, So first off the bat, I did not enjoy Howard whatsoever. And like, I love the fact that Zadie made him so dry and so academic. It's just like, him in contrast to Kiki is fantastic. Like she is mm-hmm. so warm and just kind of like go with the flow and just beautiful as a person, yeah. in my opinion. Um, yeah. They do comment that she's gained a lot of weight. They yeah. make her sound like she's a freaking whale. I really don't think she's that big. If they, I think they said like her number once, her like yeah. Number. I think they said like close to three hundred pounds wasn't it close to be 300 pounds That's i don't know like maybe the right. she, I, honestly the woman gets around just fine she walks every day to work yeah she can't be that much you know i don't know yeah whatever so the whole thing is that like kiki has gained weight since they first started dating i mean she's popped out three kids um and what's it called? And they've been married for 30 years. The thing with Howard is that like, he lacks total remorse the entire time. Like when she found out about the affair, he was in the doghouse, but he still was in the house. They were still coexisting. She decided to forgive him. And she beautifully puts it. Like I just wasn't done loving him. And you know, that's an honest answer. That's her honest answer as to why, she just forgave him for the one night stand. Then, at the family party, which this, in itself, shows lack of remorse, in my opinion. She, uh, the the woman is, uh, her name, I'm blanking on her name, um, that he had the affair with. Caroline? No. Is it Caroline? Okay, never mind. (laughs) I don't think it's Caroline. Um, I'll have to look it up, but she's there with her husband and um like they're interacting like nothing's happening because she also lacks remorse and um claire claire that's it yeah sorry um no it's okay um and kiki just figures it out She just obviously, you know, like she's, she's a smart woman. She's intuitive. She figures it out. And that hurts her more because it's like, it's someone that she's been having to see every day. She feels duped, blah, blah, blah. But what does she do? She still kind of forgives him. And the way, and he's been sleeping on the couch. He essentially gets moved to the couch. They can't even be together. And him being him is like, he doesn't even say, I'm sorry. I've never, I don't see anywhere in this entire book has he ever said, I'm sorry. He never begs for forgiveness. He just says, I like miss my best friend. I miss you. Um, like he, when he wants to have sex with her. And she's like, no, I can't. Like, I'm not ready. Like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, why are you holding out on me? Why are you punishing me? All this stuff. And it's like, dude, she could have left your ass. She should have. Like, I mean, yeah. But she didn't want to turn up her, her world upside down. Like, you know, even though the kids were mostly grown, she, again, wasn't done loving howard somehow um and he just like goes on about his day to the point where like he's willing to whine about his work he's willing to bitch about monty and the like try trials and tribulations that are going on within the faculty politics like and she lets him she lets him lean on her like she listens to his problems she shows up for his shit and it's like he still doesn't say sorry and i think what the point of this that i'm trying to make is like it's interesting in that his lack of remorse for this infidelity kind of showcases the like almost robotic like nature in academia how like sentimentality and empathy is almost removed because these people are so narrowly minded and so hyper-focused on their world that real world doesn't exist to them. Real emotion doesn't exist to them. And like, it's just, yeah. Like it's super
1: ironic because like they dedicate their entire careers to like pulling emotion out of art and like picking up on little nuances in art um, with like long dead painters and artists, and they can't like read the room, <laughs> like they like it just kind of like sh- you know what I mean? Like they're so absorbed in their courses and their studies and their material, like exactly what you said, like real world emotions, they're just kind of shut off
0: from. And yeah. it's um,
1: I don't know, it's really well done. It's almost like
0: it. it's almost like they have this little reserve of passion and empathy, and they use it all up for for one thing, or what they want, and they don't have any room for anyone else or anything else, and it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, she does it brilliantly. She made me hate him so much, over and over again, and then she does one little thing where you kind of feel sorry for him, and then he does something. Not even, like, around him, like, to him. He does it to himself, and you're like, fuck this guy. Fuck him. Yeah yeah so he's the worst I honestly I hated Howard and also like a total side note we don't have to talk about it but like his total ignorance and choice to not address having biracial children yeah I just couldn't like that that was enough he's so wrapped up in his own shit that he created yeah he won't even like I don't know. He just lacks complete empathy. I keep saying it, but um, I mean, no, but it's, beautifully done, beautifully written. The, this character, he's really flushed out. Like, I mean, the fact that this person could exist makes me hate him even more. I know. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like based off a
1: person she knew in real life. I mean, maybe like, there are so many professors like that that are just like super brilliant, but utter creeps like, I know mm. it's
0: sad. um but yeah I know that uh speaking of the art and the passion part um you had a point about how she integrates art and music she does it in all of her pieces by the way she does it in all of her books so there's always like a character that's passionate about it or like she's just I don't know if she's well researched or just her putting mm-hmm. herself into the book a wonderful, like, ah, oh, you should read Swing Time. So good. But um, I've heard really good things and I want yeah. to. The, yeah, um, I think,
1: go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, the way that she writes about art and the way that she writes about music, like these are things that for me, at least, you can never really fully put into words. And I don't really see that many people try, um, especially with music, right? Like um, you, you hear like really like you hear like things about like oh, I like them. It's really um, like captivating. I feel really emotional when I hear it. But she actually like takes the time to describe like when the, at the Mozart concert, like what it would feel like to walk in this song, almost like it's like a weird experience reading about music. But it's like you can hear the music when she's just describing. I, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like what no, I'm saying? I feel like I'm it not. it really does. Like she is able to do what I obviously am like terrible at, which is like describe music and experiences that you really only feel with words. And I don't know that I've ever read anything like that before. Like she's phenomenal. She's a great yeah. writer.
0: Yeah. Um. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think what I love about the way she integrates it, especially with her, the character, Carl, who is, mm-hmm. he's um a gentleman that they meet at the music thing which is Mm -hmm. so funny that the way they meet him is that he mixes up his walkman with (laughs) zora's where his walkman has like rap music because he's he's a he's a rapper and a poet and (laughs) uh hers is informational cd about (laughs) mozart (laughs) he's so boring she is so boring um but i love that for 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 um you know, for the academics in the family, the, mm. you know, Howard, Jerome, and Zora. They're very mm-hmm. literal. They're very academic and passionate about that. But for for Kiki and, and Levi, or Levy, sorry, I don't know. Um, oh, their passions, they're just as passionate. They just don't articulate it in the same way. So they almost get, they get mocked by the other family members. Whereas like Levy immediately resonates with Carl. He's like, Oh my God, you're into the same stuff. I am. I want to see, I want to see, you know, rap. I want to do all this. I'll make friends with you. Um, And then beyond that, like he works at a music store because he just wants to be surrounded by it. And like, but like he has principles and he walks out Because he hates it and then he immediately gets Attracted to like another group of men that That are selling, I think they're hawkers Or something that they call them yeah. So the bootlegger's on the thing and he, and he starts getting in With this other crowd of like Haitian, Im, Haitian Immigrants and befriends One of them, Choo Choo, which that name Is hilarious to me but maybe it's I don't know, traditional. But um he bonds with Chu literally over music. They just listen to music together mm-hmm. and like they don't have any really wor- words to say. I mean Chu is like hi, but um yeah. and that's how he converses, that's how he shares his passion. He doesn't always have to talk it out. He yeah. experiences it. And I think the dichotomy of Levi and and Kiki is that they experience their passions and they put them forth in their person, whereas the others just talk about it. And I think that's so great because it's like, it's showing that whole difference of living in the academic bubble and it's Mm -hmm. like those who can't do teach. Yeah. It's like they're, they're so inhibited by their own limitations that they're so comfortable just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, arguing about it, and then acting fucking superior while the others are living it. The others are going out and making friends and connecting with people and connecting with others and talking with them instead of at them. And Zadie Smith, the way she showcases how music and art can be expressed in two different ways in those worlds. And and neither
1: way is right or wrong, right? right? Like. You can, it's not. She's not saying that like to experience art or Mozart in this academic way is wrong, she's just saying it's not the only way. And like the way that Carl and Levi experience and Kiki experience the world is different, but just as valuable. Um, and it's like again, like kind of mocking like um Monty and Howard in this feud over like interpretations of Rembrandt when like it's not something that has one right answer either way, but they're both like proving themselves the whole time, like they're like going crazy in like journals and like sub-tweeting each other academically about like right. what they're getting wrong about this and the thing is like there will never be a correct interpretation of so it's like an exercise in futility um like we were t- what we were talking about earlier like the outside world like where things actually have consequences like it's completely passing them by because they're like so caught up in proving their own point that like can never be proven. But
0: no, that that's just like Yeah, it's it's kind of like how um I don't know, I don't know if she's trying to make a point or whatever, but it's it's so true is that like as kids were raised especially in America, and again, this is set in America where she's a, she's an English writer and her other books are set in England. They're not set in America. This is the only one I've read so far. I'm sure she has others. but that mainly are set in in America. The other ones are set in England and other places. Is almost like it's. It, I, I want it I, for lack of a better word, a satire on the American college system, and like how we're all raised to go to college. You know, especially in the 2000s and like on it's like unheard of like for kids not to go to college these yeah. days whereas like you know years ago it was like a big thing you know very first generational thing and so it's like the role all raised and promoted to go to college and the college is like the nlbl where you develop your person and it's like when you put that much pressure onto this one system that is not perfect and that's that's, that's existing within a bubble. It's not really creating people that are going to exist and function successfully in a society that's beyond it. So it's yeah. like, you know, you can, I remember when I went to college, I was like, I'm going to have all these big, great ideas and blah, blah, blah. I was a dumb fuck in college, <laughs> You know, yeah. like there's the just so much you just you have to you have to have that balance of the Levi and Kiki and the balance mm-hmm. of the Zora and Howard. Jerome yeah. is kind of an afterthought in a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, he goes away to sulk at Brown. Brown oh boo yeah. at Brown.
1: But anyway. Which is so weird because I would have he would be one of the main characters after the way the novel opens with his emails and going she back and forth that. and then he she and then he kind of lot. just like
0: slips away yeah she does it a lot she made you think this is going to be the main character and then she's like bye bye um but yeah anyway it's just like i don't know um even the whole layout of the book itself the way it builds um towards the end like you're like where is this going and i don't know about you but the climax i don't know what well i'm reading you have some notes on what you think the climax is i don't know if that's what i believe the climax was but there was a part that was like not a twist in my opinion but might have been seen as a twist because i saw it coming i was like oh this is gonna fucking happen this is gonna happen this is gonna happen um but i want your opinion on uh what you think like did you guess what was gonna happen with the climax you wrote down. Um and the way this book is laid out.
1: No, I don't think that I really no, I didn't see like all of these revelations coming. Like what I think is the climax is when like they realize like Zora realizes that Howard has been sleeping with Monty's daughter, Victoria.
0: And you only slept it, with her once.
1: Yeah, but like I mean it's like I don't so, know. Know. like she's what only 18 maybe 19 and he's like anyway um and then yeah so like that's what I would say what do you think the climax is uh, I think I mean that moment when they slept together when he
0: when they slept together yeah yeah, I mean I guess with
1: it yeah I did I did see that coming like I saw that the first time they met
0: Oh my God. When he was basically just objectifying the fuck out of her and she was encouraging it. I was yes, like, I
1: was like, yeah, this is going to happen. So no, that did not surprise me at all. Um, I, I was like, yeah. I, I thought maybe she was setting us up to think it was going to happen. And then she wouldn't like do it. Like maybe it was
0: a distraction, but no. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what like upset me in two folds was like one, I immediately did not think she was like asking for it. You know what I mean? Like I never yeah. said that. It was that very small part of that random student's point of view that we got, that that 16-year-old oh. girl mm-hmm. from Indiana that was in college, which, mm-hmm. okay. um, That's when I was like, okay, she is, she, like, even others are noticing that this is happening. It's not just, like, in the reader's mind, planted. But the second was that... <laughs> That happened at a fucking funeral. Yep. And it ties back to his lack of remorse. He had sex with Kiki literally weeks later. Yep. Weeks yeah. Weeks later. Doesn't say anything. And then I think, because I, I mean, I guess you're right in terms of like English student vibes of what the actual climax is, is when Jerome and Zora well Jerome realizes it Zora confronts it yeah um because of a party but Zora the fact that she took his side the whole time that pissed me off she took his side the whole time and was like oh well like of course you cheated look at mom she got so fat I'm like first of all fuck you fuck you condoning your father being a cliche. Come on. And then like how she gave him a chance to own up to it because Monty was having an affair with the student. Mm -hmm. And he just was like, oh my God, we can totally take him down now. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like You're in the same boat. No. I just... I don't know know if it was like climactic climactic but that kind of like that did trigger the end yeah so I guess in English terms it makes the most sense
1: yeah and I don't know it also just like really reminded me of a play of a Shakespearean play right like I don't know why but I like I mean I a little bit of like Romeo and Julia vibes honestly with like the Montagues and the Capulets um mm-hmm. but like the kids aren't in love but there is like the family feud. I'm like okay like I didn't really get Shakespeare right away but then like I don't know I feel like there are only three sections in this book but I feel like the last section is like the final act of the Shakespeare play where it just like everything comes out at once and it all happened I don't know if people so I felt like it was like really slow burn and then like everything happened really fast and all the windows cascaded like super quickly um and I it felt very Shakespearean to me um like everybody's exposed not like everybody dies in in a Shakespeare play although like R.I.P. Carleen but like yeah. everybody doesn't die but like their secrets kind of do like everything's out in the open right and that's like this version of like killing everybody um that Shakespeare does I don't know I think like it's another like I don't know if you felt that way at all but I was like oh this feels like Hamlet
0: almost yeah I mean I didn't in the sense of like the way it ended um but the way but I don't disagree with you yeah if that makes any sense um I definitely got the feuding family shit and like, the star lovers but it was like barely there yeah <laughs> um but for sure the drama the constant yeah. building of the drama and the heads and it's almost like like, like in Shakespeare, it's not always the kids that cause the most drama. It's the fucking adults yeah. that are in charge cause the most drama. Yeah. And then they never take responsibility for it. They're like, oh, I'll just stab you through the curtain. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, well, that think, was very Shakespeare. And I think, too, like, what made it feel kind of like a play for
1: me is, like, all of the dramatic irony, like we know that Jerome isn't engaged anymore, but Howard doesn't, but Howard's going. And like, we know as the reader that, you know, um, that Howard and V like sleep together, but like the kids don't know, like that, like kind of like you have a secret that the right. characters don't know yet really kind of makes us feel like a play too, I think. that Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah.
0: It, yeah. I mean, I feel like the most Shakespearean part is the, is the painting. Yeah. The, the painting that Carlene... Left for her only friend who paid her any attention and went out of her way for um, Kiki Mm -hmm. was withheld from her, lied about the note was Mm burned, like all this stuff. And then was (laughs) stolen by her son. And she was angry with, goes to give it back, finds the hidden secret and then loses her legs like literally drops to the ground (laughs) faints. so dramatic so good very dramatic um i love it i love it um and i'm really glad that kiki won't disclose her location to howard fuck him yes (laughs) i know right he's that's a good ending. yeah i
1: agree
0: i agree yeah Yeah. i like it um but we this is definitely going to be a long pod um So do you want to tell me what you rated on Beauty, Zadie Smith? Yes,
1: I'm giving it a full razzle. Um, I think maybe this is because I don't have any other Zadie Smith to compare it to. Like, I know that that is influencing your rating, but I don't know. I just loved it. I mean... I read it all in one night, which I feel like that was because I procrastinated. But also, I feel like it's the kind of book that you could pick up and like read in one sitting because I don't know. I feel like it is kind of like a slow burn, but she gives you just enough at a time to make you want to keep reading. Like, she'll like throw a crumb here or there, like, oh, Howard had an affair. Like, oh, who's it with? Like, oh, it's with Caroline, but like, Either, or caroline jesus claire <laughs> i don't know why i keep wanting to say caroline um like she just like gives you bits and pieces that you want to like or like zora's relationship with carl like you want to see where that goes like she'll just give you a little piece and you want to keep reading till you find the next one i don't know i found it very propulsive and i really enjoyed it and like i said i mean i think it's just like really beautiful writing and storytelling and yeah, I just, I loved it. I would give it a full razzle or a five stars.
0: Okay, okay I love that. Um, I give it a razzle frat and okay. I'll explain it. So it's like three quarters razzle for me because of the writing and the depth. I, I personally, mm-hmm. I love Zadie Smith. Maybe because this wasn't my first Zadie Smith. Although I do admit my first Zadie Smith, I didn't like as much as my second. So mm-hmm. we'll see um but i read a couple by her so or a few um but the frat part that i'm giving is that compared to other books like white teeth which is the one that blew me away the most Mm -hmm. this was um i want to i don't want to say lacking but um i think because i've experienced other versions of her like other writing styles um or storylines um this wasn't as of a punch to me. Yeah. Um, it could have been the U.S. setting. It could have, honestly, been the, like, expatriate uh, British people that, like, they're not in their setting. And I, one of the reasons I like Zadie Smith is that I get to read about um, a different country, usually, and it's different yeah. culture. Not that I didn't read about this here. Um, it's just, like, I it's think. Different. I think one of the things for me was that um the characters that I wanted to be invested in more Mm -hmm. I didn't get as much like Kiki I wanted Mm -hmm. her perception more Carlene Mm -hmm. do we even get Carlene's perception
1: I don't think so and I think like perspective yeah I mean but I think that is like on purpose and what's so brilliant about the book right? it's like we hear so much from like these old academic like stuffy guys and like not the most interesting characters I like it like that's part of the point too like
0: that's what yeah.
1: people like this in the real world do
0: yeah that's true like the people that talk the loudest are the most hard yeah. or whatever like, and they, like I could have done without yeah Yeah. I could have done without Zora so much you know it should Um, But anyways, yeah, so that was, I guess, I guess that was my rating. I don't know. Um, So does this mean you will read more Zadie Smith?
1: Yes, I was just going to say, I think I want to read Swing Time and White Teeth for sure. Um, And since those aren't like new books, I'm hoping I can get them at the library fairly quickly. I mean, I have both of them. You can borrow them. Oh, yeah, that's true. Next time I see you, maybe I'll just borrow it. Because White Teeth, I've read parts of, but it's been since I was, like, a junior in college. So yeah. that's been a while.
0: <laughs> I just remember, like, putting down White Teeth after finishing and being like, oh, you know, like yeah. that whoosh feeling. Yeah, um, I know it. Swing Time was good, but White Teeth was not. Oh, just.
1: Well, I think I that think that was a, a great fall book, a great October choice, mm-hmm. I think. You chose well.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it was this or what, Stephen King?
1: Yeah, but I, uh, I love Stephen King, but I, he's not for everybody. And I knew that we would enjoy this more as a buddy read, yeah. and we'd have much more to talk about. Like you can't really analyze Stephen King. Like you can, but he's not like literary, right? Like he's very like commercial, so I mean, it's not as fun.
0: Have we always done literary books? I feel like I don't know. Have we?
1: Uh, I just mean books with like any sort of depth, like Stephen King. He's, like, pure, like, I don't know, like...
0: Any sort of... De- oh, are you insulting Stephen King on air? Okay. No, I just feel like it's, it's, you know, it's, like, genre
1: fiction. I mean, like, some of the it's ideas true. are really original, but it's not, like, you know, nothing it's yeah. surprising. Nothing, like, grabs you. And he's a good writer, but it's,
0: it's not the same. True, true, true. Plus, I haven't read him, so having him first on the pod would have been weird. Um, yeah yeah but anyways to wrap up a little bit uh what spooky things do you want to do we only have like a week left of Halloween vibes I know. Um, um, or have you done already
1: um so I've been re-watching Gilmore Girls as you know and I also re-watched Dead Poets Society which is my all-time favorite movie but also like very fall vibes um So I rewatched that. Megan and I found this place in New York City down by Washington Square um, that does, like, pumpkin-shaped churros for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Uh, And so we're going to do that on actual Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. What's wrong with me today? Um, Halloween. We're going to go on Monday for actual Halloween and go get pumpkin-shaped churros. Um, So that's not really spooky, but that's definitely, like seasonal and that i always on halloween i always watch scream and halloween so i'll be doing that with like mold wine or cider or something
0: so. nice i haven't yeah. watched halloween i i i think i started it and i fell asleep I was very tired.
1: it's it's good i mean i like jamie lee curtis and yeah. i love like an old kind of classic thriller <laughs> I mean, slasher that
0: yeah i watched what nightmare with you Mm-hmm. Um, Nightmare Nell Mystery. I watched the first, what's the one with the kid in the lake? Friday the 13th. Yeah, <laughs> I watched that. Um, and then I watched all the screen movies, but I think that's more my vibe. Uh, I actually this weekend we watched Ben Helsing,
1: mm-hmm. um, with Hugh you.
0: Jackman. Hello. Um, I've I watched Practical Magic in the last three months, probably too much for a normal person. <laughs> that is such a good one. When you showed me that last year, I was like, how have I not watched this before? It's very like cult. Like, if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, if you know, you know. And the soundtrack, slap. Oh my God. Stevie next Yes. Okay, Phil. Um, yeah. Um, She's like... <laughs> Yes, we have. Um, Late 90s. What's it called? I've obviously done Gun Girls Rewatch. I think I'm on season five now. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm so behind. I'm on like I, I, I did packing and stuff, you know? Um, when I was building together one of the cabinets that I, we have, I was building it one afternoon. I watched Pocus Pocus, the first one, and I watched... Nightmare Now she, nope. Nightmare Before Christmas. That's it. yep Um, <laughs> two different movies. Um, and then uh, the first movie I watched on this couch in this apartment on Jimmy's TV when he officially moved in because I begged him. He was like, "This is gonna be the first movie you watch here," and I'm like, "Yep, yes, it is." Hocus Pocus two.
1: <laughs> I love that. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah.
0: I mean it's it's what you expect it would have been. Um I'm a little disturbed by Sarah Sarah uh Jessica Parker's um eye <laughs> makeup choice in that movie, but you know, um, it's what it is. Um it's, yeah. good. it's oh. a good sequel, if that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then I actually have been rewatching while I do homework and stuff, because I'm still in school, um, Buffy, the vampire Slayer. Mm. I've never seen
1: that either, but I really want to. I think I would really like it.
0: You would enjoy watching it. I, I've always told you to watch Charmed, mm-hmm. um, but Buffy is good. and it, It's more accessible because the Charmed series isn't no. on any streaming service that's easily no. easily accessible. I think it's on like a random one. Like-
1: I think of you and Charmed often. Well, I've been re-watching Pretty Little Liars and Arya's mom is one of the Charmed characters, right? She's yes, one of the main ones. Yeah.
0: So every Fantastic. time I see her, I'm like, oh, I need to watch Charmed. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact about that actress, before she got books for Charmed, she was in like a slasher film, like very popular. Well, at the time, like early 90s. I think it's like Mr. Giggles or something. Hmm. It's like about like a dentist that's like a killer. Interesting. I don't know. Apparently she had a good scream. Yeah. Or, or something like that. And that's why she like... Got really in, uh, for for charmed, so um, I could be totally wrong about all that, like memory wise, but that's what I remember. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm, I still want to watch. Jimmy's been pushing me to watch um, the new Marvel werewolf short. It's like a black and white, uh, ode to like the classic mm-hmm. scary movies. So um, I just haven't been in the mood, but
1: and, uh, and you and I, you and I are going to go see Don't Worry, Darling too, which is like kind so of thrillery.
0: I I actually asked him about this because he knows everything about movies. Um, it's only really playing in theaters at very select, and it might not be in for so long, so we have to find a time.
1: Okay, well, if we don't find it in theaters, we'll find it when it streams. It
0: it is streaming now if we want oh well then we should just do that (laughs) but i'm pretty sure it's like 20 bucks Mm, yeah Yeah. okay we'll figure it out yeah but like i'm still i'm still down um apparently i saw this article it's like is harry styles a good actor he's definitely great at the sex scenes scenes? i saw that i was like um that's called a porn story (laughs) there's a difference between acting and porn sex Uh,
1: yeah I saw that too and I was very intrigued um but anyway that's a conversation
0: for offline (laughs) I know I saw I'm glad you saw the same headline as me I was just like I I can't I can't with this new generation Uh, maybe I'm old I don't okay no but um how about you, how about you lead us out? We've, we've okay. talked a long one on this podcast, a good one, but yeah. we've chatted a while. We have. Be sure
1: to follow more of our bookish antics on our bookstagrams at there's ink on my hand and grapes underscore of underscore Ash. Share Razzlefrat with friends, lovers, even enemies. Share the wealth of this gem of a pod and feel free to leave a review or comment in Apple Podcasts. And also check out our podcast Instagram at Razzle Frat Pod. Come for the books, stay for the coffee, and sometimes wine, fueled conversation. Until then, we shall bid you adieu. That's Razzle Frat.